Good morning. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Now I know it doesn't feel quite the same to say it, but it is just as real and powerful and true with five people in the room or 500 people in the room. We have come to worship the risen Christ. Today we're pausing our series in Luke to focus on the resurrection of Christ from the dead. So grab your Bibles this Easter morning and turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We're going to spend a few minutes considering the power of the resurrection of Jesus. As you're turning to Philippians 3, let me set the stage for you. Now we are often tempted to trust in our own power, our own creativity, our own position, our own hard work. And in times like the ones in which we find ourselves today, we are immediately confronted by our own powerlessness. We are keenly aware of our limitations. And so it's clear that all of our chasing after power and chasing after control and position in the end gains us what? Perhaps a little temporary influence, but really almost nothing of eternal significance. Only when we find ourselves in Christ Jesus do we experience the true power and joy of the resurrection of Christ in and for us. Let's read together Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. This is the word of the Lord for us today. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the glorious word of God for us, sufficient and good. Amen. Now in Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul spends the first part of the chapter outlining all the things in which he could boast. These are all the things that would give him power and influence. These are the things that would raise his social status and give him credibility. And in verse 7, Paul says, but whatever gain I had, Whatever power and prestige I had as a religious leader, whatever zeal and influence I had, all my good works, my status, my entire portfolio of accomplishments, Paul says, all my gains, I count them as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. Indeed, verse 8, he says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. See, Paul is outlining the big idea for us for this text and for our time this morning, of all the things we could trust in, of all the things we could boast in and find our worth in, none of them comes close to comparing to the glory and power and worth of knowing Christ Jesus 
as Lord and knowing the power of the resurrection. Christ is our supreme treasure and our supreme source of worth. So we have two points, two lenses this morning through which to look at this idea that Christ is our supreme treasure. He talks about knowing Christ and knowing the power of the resurrection. Let's look at it through the first lens, knowing Christ. Look at verse 10. Paul says, that I may know him. What does Paul mean when he says, I want to know Christ? And I think we find our answers in verses 8 and 9. He says he suffered loss and that all these things he could count on, he counts them as rubbish so that he might gain Christ. We'll come back to that in a second, counting things as rubbish. And then he says, being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Knowing Christ means trusting in Christ's righteousness, not our own. Righteousness means perfection. Do no wrong. Being fully just and upright. And Paul lists his accomplishments and, and stacks up. If, if, if stacked up, they would be a good, solid list of righteous and good things. A long list of religious accomplishments. A long list of faithfulness according to the law of God. If God kept score as to who is a good law keeper, Paul would be in the top of the list, the top of the leaderboard. And he says, all of that is garbage. It's rubbish. In fact, the word for rubbish in the ESV can also be translated waste and would have been a euphemistic term for excrement. Parents, I'll let you unpack that for your, for your kids in a way you feel is most age-appropriate. But that's the word. Think about that. Think of the most important, significant, personal, and professional accomplishments that you can, you can think up in your field, or in your work, in your home, in your life. Sales numbers. An ownership stake in the company you work for. Your name on the building. Professional accolades and recognition from your peers and even better, recognition from your superiors. Degrees that you can earn and letters that would be listed after your name. The number of figures on your annual salary. The number of followers or level of social influence. Your face and thoughts in publications or papers. A pat on the back and likes and hearts on your Instagram stories. The nice house, the new car, the well-behaved kids who get into prestigious universities. See, Paul doesn't say that those things are necessarily bad. In fact, I'd be willing to argue that godly ambition and hard work and faithful use of your gifts And spirit-enabled self-discipline may in fact bear fruit that looks a lot like the areas of success that I just listed. They can be remarkably good things and should be seen as God's kindness and God's blessing. But this raises some questions for you and for me. What areas of our lives do we hold up as our standard of, of righteousness, of good enough? Do you tend to judge yourself and maybe judge others according to your own list of accomplishments, your own list of goals? How does this influence how you see yourself, how you see your self-worth? And more importantly, how does this affect your worship? See, the problem is, is not that these are bad things. 
but that we can't trust in them. These things are actually too attainable. We don't need Jesus to make a big sale or win an account. We don't need Jesus to launch a new business or take on investors. We don't need Jesus to, 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 to get the degree or to make a name for ourselves. And that, Paul says, is the problem. Not that they're bad things, but that they're not eternal things. Oh, they have significance, but they are bad saviors because we can attain them. And Paul is emphasizing, for all my goodness, I can't save myself and neither can you. See, Paul says at the end of verse 9 that the righteousness, the perfection that he has, the one that has lasting significance, cannot come from within himself, but comes through faith. It's a righteousness, a goodness, a perfection that only depends on faith. And we don't like this idea Because we like to be independent. We like to solve problems. We like to build things. And depending on someone else feels weak. But Paul says, no, 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 no. The greatest and best thing that I can have is a righteousness, a goodness, a perfection that does not come from me. He turns it and says, no, no, it's Christ. It comes from him. In him comes my righteousness. He is my greatest treasure. So Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know Christ. So let me ask you, what other things crowd out your treasuring of Jesus? What other things, even good things, do you default to trusting in? When Paul says, I count everything as loss, he is setting the stage for repentance and reorientation of his whole life. Are you trusting in yourself? Are you trusting in your accomplishments and your relative goodness? Can I encourage you, even this Easter morning, here today, the call to repent, to count everything else as a loss compared to knowing and believing and following Jesus. And if you've been following Jesus for a long time, but many things have begun to crowd out true and lasting and deep worship of him. It calls for repentance. Asking the Spirit to to work in us, to put aside all other things and to make Christ our highest treasure. Can I encourage you if those things have begun to creep in and crowd out treasuring Jesus as your highest good to repent. Paul says that I may know him. That's the first lens, that we may know Christ. And the second is the power of his resurrection. Paul says in verse 10 that I may know him, that I may know Christ Jesus, and that I might know the power of his resurrection. That second lens at looking at treasuring Christ is the power of the resurrection. Christ's resurrection from the dead is one of the most remarkable displays of divine power in human history. In John 10, Jesus is speaking of himself as the good shepherd. Verses 14 through 18, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them 
also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, Jesus says, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. We sing it often, don't we? Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. Dead men don't come back to life unless a power greater than death is at work. Jesus says, I lay down my life and I take it up again. We talked about it on Good Friday. The death of Christ brought about the death of death. And Paul says, I want to know, I want to experience that kind of power. Now, I don't think Paul was trying to possess it, to harness resurrection power for himself, to use it for selfish gain. No, no, I don't think that at all. I think Paul knew that the same power that raised Christ from the dead was his only hope for his own resurrection as well. He faced the reality and hardships of mortality and death in shipwreckings and prison and being beaten. The power at work in Paul to comfort, to encourage, to empower, that was resurrection power. And Paul says it in Romans 8, chapter 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Not just for Paul, but for all believers. We believe that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, so we too dare to believe that he can raise us up as well. Now we start to get into the implications of resurrection power in the life now and in the life to come. I think thinking about the power of the resurrection in the life to come is easier, at least it is for me. The resurrection of Christ Jesus from death to life, from mortal to immortal, from, sl- from lowly to glory, reminds us that we too will be transformed. There is a hope of the life to come. And remember what Paul says in verse 9. This doesn't come from within us. We can't create perfection from imperfection. We can't manufacture glory and immortality from our mundane mortal existence. It comes to us. It comes through faith in Jesus. As we read on Friday in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 52. Paul says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. The promise of the resurrection means that we will be raised with him, that those who have faith in Christ Jesus will be transformed from perishable to imperishable. We will be glorified with Christ forever. The power of the resurrection means that we will be raised and live with God in glory forever. But Paul wasn't only speaking of the life to come. He was also speaking of resurrection power in life now. Verse 12, he says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or I'm already perfect. He's saying, I'm not complete here. 
This is an already, not yet, reality. But Paul continues, I press on, he says, to make it my own because Christ Jesus has already made me his own. Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. There's an urgency in Paul's words as we see him laying down things and picking up others. He puts aside all those other gains and he picks up, verse 10, sharing in Christ's sufferings with a vision, verse 14, of his end goal, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, I don't think Paul just desires the benefits of the resurrection in the life to come. He desires to know Christ in his whole path and plan of redemption. That's what we celebrate when we are baptized and when we take communion. We are rehearsing our identification with Jesus. The Spirit is at work in us as we identify. We are buried with him in his death. And then we are in him raised to new life. We take the bread and the cup as new covenant realities, that his death is our death, his blood for our sin, and his life is now our life. I also don't think Paul is just commending his own works here, like, look how hard I'm striving after this. He's saying the the greatest effort, the thing worth spending myself in, is to chase Jesus. To chase him, to treasure him, and to make him known. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29, he, he says, He, Jesus, we proclaim. Jesus, we proclaim. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And then Paul says this, For this I toil. This is what I'm pressing towards. Struggling, Paul says, with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. The energy, the power at work in Paul, the energy, the power, the comfort in affliction, the courage in times of trouble, the hope in times of grief is resurrection power. It's resurrection comfort. It's resurrection hope. While today you may find yourself leaning towards despair, let me remind you that Christ Jesus raised from the dead means that we have been forgiven. We have forgiveness tangible now for our deepest sins. It means we have a mediator who pleads our case before the Father. He intercedes. He prays for us. It means we have the indwelling Spirit who is at work in us, powerfully at work in us right now. It means that life eternal begins here. That his power is right now at work in the lives of his children. And it means that we have access to an everlasting joy that will not be cut off by death because Jesus has victory over death. My prayer this Resurrection Sunday is that you would, along with Paul, Count all other things as a loss compared to knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. 
that your desire would be to know him, that your desire would be to know the power of his resurrection, that you would press on to cherish Christ as your greatest treasure, and that we would lift our hearts and join with all of heaven and earth to proclaim, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And the church said together, amen and amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that the promise of the resurrection secures the reality that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us. It's a promise that secures for us forgiveness, that it assures us that we have a a Savior, our brother, who intercedes for us right now, pleading our case before the Father. It means that we have the promise of the Spirit working powerfully in us now and today, bringing comfort and hope and working in us transformation. Would you stir our hearts with fresh joy, helping remember, helping us remember and to see clearly that all other things pale in comparison. They are a loss. They are rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness, the overwhelming glory of knowing Jesus and to know the power of the resurrection. Would you help us? In places where we're weak, would you strengthen us? Would you draw our hearts to treasure you fresh above all things and stir our hearts in gratitude and praise? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.